All right. Well, how's everybody doing? It's awesome to be together. And my friends in uh, Plano and Frisco and Fort Worth right here in Dallas and online, we're glad that we are together. And we are talking about how he built this, how God got us to where we are in 2019. We are entering our 20th year of ministry together. And we did not always have, uh, you know, over 50 acres of property with over $100 million worth of facilities and over 20,000 people physically present with us every week and, and tens of thousands of more all over the world that gather with us through different um, media stuff that we have available to encourage people. It's not always been like this. And we want you to know how we got here because we realize that a lot of people are stepping in here for the first time and we want you to know who we are and what is happening and why we think it's happening. How he, the he is God. How he is the one who is worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. How he built this. I'm reminded of a, a story of a kid that um, was uh, sitting there doodling and his teacher kind of walked up uh, behind him, looked over his shoulder and, and said to him, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a picture. She said, well, what are you drawing a picture of? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she goes, nobody knows what God looks like. And he goes, they will in a minute. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going on right here. About 25 years ago, me and a group of friends were running around Dallas and we were having a blast. We were, um, we were walking with Jesus uh, in our late 20s or early 20s, late 20s, and, and even early 30s. And, and um, and we would gather friends. We would meet waiters and waitresses. We would meet people that we competed against in sports and folks that we worked with in business, individuals that we would collide with just in kind of every aspect of life. And we would often invite them to come and hang with us. It was literally not at the porch. It was on our porch, on our front porch. We would intentionally bring them in together and um, just let them be around us. Sometimes we'd go away for a weekend to a lake and we would intentionally invite people that had no concept of the goodness of God to be with us. And as we did that, we heard again and again and again, individuals say to us, man, we had no idea that people who love God, Christians acted like this and had a life like this and friendship like this. And it began to allow us to um, stay on mission, to be on mission. And Dallas is where we lived at the time. It was a city filled with lots of churches, but we didn't find one. Even though we, we went and were invested in different ways and different ones, there was not one that we felt like we could just unreservedly meet anybody. And it didn't matter who they were, literally, whether they were homeless people, whether they were gals working the streets, whether there was a, a um, you know, at a gym we met, you know, a gal at work and, and, and strip for a living and dance for a living, or it didn't matter where we were when we met somebody, it, we didn't feel like there was a place we could invite them to come and see the goodness of God. And so after a while, what we started to do was just talk about this more and more. And we just said, you know what? Instead of complaining about what we're underneath, the way that America has done church and the way that we see church done in Dallas, why don't we undertake what God wants for us? What if we, instead of cursing the darkness, lit a candle? What if we said, all right, big boy, let's see what you want to do. Let's see how you want to gather together in a community of friends in this city. And that's really what happened. Me and a group of friends just started to dream about what it would look like to just commit to deeply doing life together. We we're already devoting daily. And we said, we're already pursuing each other relationally. We're already living authentically. We're admonishing each other faithfully. We're counseling each other biblically. Let's just be on mission together. Let's, let's, let's find spiritual leaders. Let's put ourselves um, as, as individuals that are subject to them. Let's all clothe ourselves in humility with one another. And let's be on mission together because that's the church. 
And so we began to not sketch out a church that we can say they will in a minute know what church looks like. We began to look at this book and to read the New Testament and to see what it was like to hang with Jesus. And we saw the people who hung out with Jesus every night when they got together around a campfire, they were just blown away. They're like, can you believe what happened today? Did you see that? I mean, we're professional fishermen. We live on the Sea of Galilee. And that storm was like one we never see. And he stood up and he said, hush, be still. Did you see what he did today? When we got to the other side, there was a guy that was a terror to himself and others living among the dead, breaking chains, a demoniac. Did you see him clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus? Did you see what he did today? That dude that had been blind from birth could see. Did you see what he did today? Those Pharisees that are just wearing us out about how righteous they are and how we can never be righteous enough. He spoke truth to them and silenced them. Did you see what he did today? And we just started to say to ourselves, man, we wish that we could run with Jesus. And as we read the New Testament, Jesus was saying, I wish you'd run with me, man, because I'm not dead. And in fact, the things that I did, if you guys just believed in me, even greater works than these would you do if you just believed in me. And so we just started to say, what if we believed in him? And what if we were his church? We're just a bunch of punks. We didn't have very much. In fact, when we finally started to do this in our mid-30s formally, one of the things we did is we all sat around in a circle and we go, how much you got? I mean, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Let's just all write down in a slip of paper how much we could right now if we, if we took everything we had, discretionary money and, just, and, and stuff that we had saved and we were going to say, we're going to invest it in starting a kingdom work. And we wrote down that number and threw it in, in a little pile. And then we said, okay, let's write down another number. If God lets us all keep our jobs and do what we're supposed to do over the next you know, 12 months, how much do you think we could every month continue to give so that we could invest together and do things for others to create a place where folks could know what the body of Christ looks like. And so we had a lump sum of money and then we saw what we all thought we could do if God tarried and and kept things going as they were. And we said, okay, let's use this for his glory. And we just started out, man, together. And we said, Lord, we don't care how much resource we have. We know if we don't abide with you deeply, we can't do anything. And so we we read this one verse in 2 Chronicles 69, and we believe that our God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says. And so we saw the way God worked through a people in the Old Testament by, by, um, by strongly supporting them. And he told them why he worked through them. This is what it says in 2 Chronicles 16.9. In fact, it was the very first scripture we ever taught in our first public gathering as a church that we would tell the world about that we just want to try and be God's people. It says this, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. And we believe that his eyes were still doing that in order that he might strongly support those whose hearts were completely his. And so we go, man, God, we believe you're going to do something today in this world to make your name great. And if you're willing, why not with us? And we found our answer right there in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. He was willing to do something with us if our hearts were completely his. And so we just doubled down. We, we continued to spur each other on and to admonish each other and encourage each other. We talked about what would it mean if our hearts were completely his? Because we knew that we still lived in a world that was racked by sin. We knew our flesh still longed for the things of this world. We knew we weren't glorified yet, even though we were being sanctified because God had justified us. We knew we had work to do to make our hearts completely his. And we got busy seeking him. And we just kept reading his word. 
and seeing what he wanted us to do. And so one of the things we did is we read what the church was like when it began, because, you know, when Jesus was gone, he, he had a group of people that were plucked out of darkness of legalism and Judaism and dead ritualism and were, were, had seen the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets pointed to. The law was never there to tell people what to do. The law was always there to show people that they couldn't be good enough for God. And then Jesus came and he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I came to do everything the law requires so that the wages of sin wouldn't be due to me. And then I'm going to pay a sinner's debt. Since I don't have one myself, I'll pay yours. And I'll go to the Father. And I'll make peace with the Father. And if you'll just acknowledge that you need a Savior, I'll be your Savior. And I'll reconnect you with the Father. And then you can walk with the Father the way that I and the Father who are one are walking together on earth right now. And when Jesus walked on earth, everybody that met him, it says again and again and again in Scripture, there was a sense of awe. There was, there was power and there were signs that God was in their midst. And we thought, man, how amazing would that be if we could do that? And lo and behold, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we saw some scripture that talked about the very first group of people that got together as God's church, God's called out ones. That's literally what the church means. People called out of darkness to be the living light of God. And this is what it says about those people. It says in Acts chapter two, it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. The word apostle means sent forth. That These guys were sent forth from Jesus. They had learned from God and God said, I'm gonna send you my spirit and he's gonna allow you to remember things you otherwise wouldn't remember and teach you things you otherwise wouldn't know. And, and those people were gonna record those things and God was gonna uniquely preserve those things so we could literally hear the mind of God. We could hear the story of Jesus. God would preserve what he'd done with Israel and now what he had done with these people that trusted in the, the promise that God gave the world through Israel, which is the Messiah that would reconcile themselves to him. And so they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The word fellowship doesn't mean just polite conversation. It means that it's literally the word koinia, which means to do business together. These people were doing life together. They were saying, we're going to be one and we're going we're to intermingle our souls and we're going to be about what God wants us to be about, to the breaking of bread, which is probably a reminder and celebrating what Christ had done for them, but also sharing meals, you'll see in a minute. And to prayer. Prayer was not them telling God what they wanted him to do. Prayer, as we said last week, is not us ringing a bell in heaven saying, hey, it's not so easy down here. Won't you do something up there that would make us happy here? No, prayer is meditating on the word of God and the will of God so that the will of heaven can be done on earth. And so they were praying continually, God, remind us why we're here. Remind us that you're gonna take us home. Remind us that you're worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And that one day you have made us a kingdom and priests to reign with your son forever. So let us be about it right now. That's what they did. And as they did it, it says that everyone kept feeling a sense of awe because God was with them. He was strongly supporting them. And there were many signs and wonders taking place through them. And it said that all those who believed held all things in common. It doesn't mean they were communists. It doesn't mean they were even socialists. But watch, what would happen is they followed this, the example of their servant leader, who though he was rich, for their sake became poor, that through his poverty they might become rich. And so when they had more than they needed, and they saw a member of the family of God that had less than they needed, not less than they wanted, less than they needed, food, shelter, clothing, whatever it took for them to continue to stay on mission, they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And they were one together and they were day by day continuing with one mind. They were about being on mission. 
and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together because they were friends. They didn't meet up once a week. They were just living life together with gladness and sincerity of hearts, not showing up out of some obligation, paying some spiritual tax, but with sincerity of heart. And they were praising God that he was allowing them to do the only thing that mattered. They had meaning, they had purpose, they were forgiven. They were filled with power and they were his witnesses and they had favor with all the people. Even the ones that didn't like what they were saying, there was a sense of favor that was there. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. That's the first church. And I'm like, man, give me some of that. Let me be a part of that. And we just looked at it and we go, we don't really see that happening. Now, I'm sure it was some places, but all of us just felt like, man, let's just be that. Let's not complain about what we're underneath that others have done before us. Let's undertake what God says he wants his people to be. Now, when you ask folks, okay, um, you know, what church is like today, people will typically say things like this. They'll say, well, I don't know. A church is irrelevant or it's boring or it's legalistic or it's against things. Or when, when they hear the word church, they think denomination. Maybe they think a personality, a podcast. Maybe they think of a location or a building. But what they don't typically think of is the kind of things that if you just stumbled up against that group of people, you would think about. And in order to illustrate this, when we first started getting together and praying that God would make our will his will and that God would allow us to do what he said we should do, we, we, we were giving attention to the word and we just, we said to people as we gathered together and shared the vision for what God wanted a group of his Christ followers in this city, which is where we live, to be about, we would, we would have them read this text and then what I would do is I would say, hey, I want you to imagine that I'm a, a news editor for the Jerusalem Times and I've sent you to this new growing organization of people and I want you to go in there and I want you to observe them. I want you to write an article, you know, kind of in the living section about this new group of Christ followers. They're called people of the way. That's what the church was really originally called. It wasn't later until they were in Antioch that they were called Christians, which was a, uh, a term of... Um, you know, frankly, it was, it was a, a, a criticism of them, like, oh, you little Christ, you little Jesuses. But when you got around these little Jesuses and they ran together, what were they like? And so I, I said, imagine you're that reporter and you stumble up, up against Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. What words would you use to describe them? And so I said, just write down adjectives, descriptive words of Acts 2 communities. And this is what we came up with. And I want you to imagine that, that today, you know, someone says to you, hey, man, what have you been up to this weekend? So I don't know, man, I, you know, I hung out with a bunch of folks. You know, I got some chores done and ran some errands on Saturday. And then we kind of started to slowly unwind and we caught the end of the Chiefs game. And we grabbed a meal and then me and some buddies, we watched the Cowboys, you know, and get punched out in the playoffs. It was kind of a bummer. And then Sunday, I hung out with a group of my friends just to remind myself of the goodness of, you know, God and his kindness to me. And we then went and grabbed some lunch. And the person said, oh, what do you, what do you, what do you mean you got to get with some buddies? 